You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome to the program. A lot to talk about. Hour one on this Tuesday. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Make sure you go to danpatrick.com. Pick up your gifts for the holiday season. We have a limited edition holiday bundle that includes a hoodie, autographed calendar, custom holiday box, less than 100 available. Go there for all of your shopping needs with the Dan Patrick Show. Say good morning to Peacock, our streaming partner. Download the app. You can watch this program for free. And we say good morning to our radio affiliates around the country. The headlines, USC introduces Lincoln Riley. LSU snags Brian Kelly from Notre Dame. Washington holds off Seattle. Cliff Kingsbury sort of shakes off Oklahoma talk. Max Scherzer to the Mets. Corey Seager gets paid to bolt L.A. for the Texas Rangers. Wow. If I said it last week, hey, I got some headlines for you. USC is going to introduce Lincoln Riley. Okay, yeah, all right, I can kind of see that maybe. Uh, by the way, uh, Brian Kelly's leading, leaving Notre Dame for LSU. No, no way. That's not happening. Cliff Kingsbury up for the Oklahoma job? Yeah, I could see that. Max Scherzer is the highest paid player in the history of baseball. He's 37 years of age. They got an owner who acts like he is a, um, I don't know, an owner of a fantasy sports team. I don't care. I'll take him. I'm going over the I don't care. I'm going to pay it. Corey Seager getting over $300 million to leave the Dodgers for the Texas Rangers. Those are all real headlines. All real headlines. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. We'll have a poll question, play of the day, stat of the day, all of that forthcoming. Tom Brady changes the way we think about the age of our quarterbacks with our teams. Russell Wilson turned 33 yesterday. I don't know if he's thinking about his NFL clock here, but he probably does, should. And that championship window, is it 10 years more? He's already uh, showed impatience with the Seahawks over the summer. Keep in mind, Seattle was 12-4 and last year, playoff season. They fell to Washington last night by two. Seattle's now three and eight. The Jets are three and eight. Wilson has failed to get back into a groove. He's still battling that finger injury, but last night thought it was going to be one of those typical Russ comeback rallies, final minute, but the Seahawks came up short. I don't know how much of this is Russ. I don't know if it's Pete Carroll, the coaching staff, all the above. What has changed since a year ago? Year ago, 12 and 4, first half of the season, they let Russ cook. He's an MVP candidate for a guy who's never gotten an MVP vote. But, I mean, it feels like longer than 14 months ago. The Legion of Boom days are gone. And now you got some real serious questions. And I brought this up prior to the result last night because it's a standalone game and everybody has a referendum on Russell Wilson. I told you this yesterday. I don't see Russ playing in Seattle next season. And I think there are different scenarios that can come up. Russ has a no trade. Maybe a team is going to contact Russ's people and say, hey, would he be interested in coming here? Do you have a Matthew Stafford situation where you quietly talk to one another, player, agent, management, and then you say, you know what's best for both of us? And then you move in that direction. Because if you're Seattle, a Seattle fan right now, what do you have? 
What do you really have? You do have Russ, and he can play at a high level for probably five more years. But you got DK Metcalf, who had one catch last night. Tyler Lockett, who I think is wonderful, but sometimes he just disappears. The running game is non-existent. Russ was unhappy with a 12-4 and season. Imagine how he feels now. You're 3-8. and eight. He's having his worst season ever. This is a guy that you pencil in. You don't even use a pencil. You use pen, a Sharpie, for double-digit wins every single year. And now he's looking around, and he's further and further and further away from Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. He's moving down the totem pole. I can't imagine that Russ is going to go, nope, I'm going to go Hawks. I'm going to stay here. I just don't see it happening. And I do think that those are the scenarios. If the Saints would reach out and say to Russ's agent, hey, I know he was on the short list. Uh, We were on the short list there. Would he be interested in the Saints? Uh, Would the Giants or the Eagles, teams that have multiple first-round draft picks, you're going to have to give up a couple of those draft picks for Russ. But also, does Russ want to go to a team that is going to give up those draft picks for him? How much better are you going to be? It's a tricky situation. But watching last night, Russ is not healthy. He missed throws. He doesn't miss. But I do think that the frustration level on Russ's side will probably reach a crescendo prior to the end of the year. Because remember, he was frustrated a couple of days after the Super Bowl when he came on the show. Because he looked out on the field. He's the NFL man of the year, and he's miserable. You could see it. He's looking out and he's seeing Mahomes versus Brady, and he's going, we are nowhere near those teams. I can't get on the field. And he's so far away from a Super Bowl, even further than he was last year. I don't see, I don't see this going past this season. Just don't. Now, maybe something happens. Does Pete Carroll step down? Is that enough for Russ to say, all right, I'll stay? What kind of coach are we bringing in here? Remember, Russ saw Tom Brady be empowered. Tom Brady was making decisions. And he thought, or is thinking, why don't I get to do that? Aaron Rodgers, why don't I get to do that? That's what happened. Tom Brady changed these quarterbacks in how they view where they get to sit at the table. Do they get a seat at the table? Brady got it. Well, Rodgers wants it. Well, Russ wants it. They all sort of want it, but Tom got it. You know, Mahomes is in a situation where what they're paying him, they're probably going to go to him and say, hey, are you interested in us getting Josh Gordon? Okay. Or, hey, we're going to bolster the offensive line. Any thoughts here with any of these players? Okay. But I think Russ wanted to know, okay, I'm getting sacked more than any quarterback has ever been sacked in the first 10 years of his career. And he's probably saying, can I, can I raise my hand here and be uh, recognized? And that's why Seattle, the management, was so upset when he came on this show. Because they were blindsided. But I don't think you can be blindsided. If you look around, you go, yeah, I think things are good. You know, Russ cooks, and uh, we're usually down by four in the fourth quarter, and we ask Russ to cook, and then, you know, we win by two. 
Oh, yeah, he gets sacked a lot, but hey, he plays every game. Like, they're probably not even thinking that way. It's like, you know what? We get Jamal Adams. We're back. Okay, maybe not. Let's give up a couple of first-round picks for Jamal Adams. But I do think, Russ, his days of cooking in Seattle are probably only a few more months. Yes, he I like that Tom Brady opened the door for all of these quarterbacks to be like, hey, I want what Tom got. And I, I would imagine there were a lot of conversations that were like, yeah, but you're not Tom Brady. <laughs> I know you want that, but you're yeah. not Tom Brady, so yeah. no. Well, if Aaron Rodgers wasn't getting it, then you're not getting it. <laughs> you know, like Aaron Rodgers said, can I get Randall Cobb, please? <laughs> all right. You know? Like, I don't know if Aaron said, I really, really want Odell Beckham. They went, we gave you Randall Cobb. That's enough. But quarterbacks, they want to have a voice here. And Russ is going to want to have maybe a bigger voice here. Because I was told after the interview by somebody who's with the team, let's wait and see what happens in free agency in the draft and see how Russ feels then. Like, they, it felt like the team felt like they were going to Oh, this, this is going to be so great for Russ. He's not going to want to leave. He's going to be happy. They're three and eight. They're one of the worst teams in football. Yeah, McClellan. Don't say the cupboard's bare, though. They do have the best punter in the NFL, Michael Dixon, arguably. Okay. He's an all-pro. Potential. Yeah. I even read he's a potential Hall of Fame punter. Okay. Can you build around that? <laughs> Can I build around <laughs> the punter? Not many teams do, but okay. If, if you're building around your punter, wow. You're in trouble. Yes, McLovin. Do they just start over in Seattle if Russell Wilson decides he'd rather be somewhere else? Well, if you start over, then what's Pete Carroll do? Pete's the oldest coach in the league. He's turning 70. But do you, do you steer Pete towards retirement or just say, hey, look, we're gonna, we don't want to fire you. We want to go in a different direction. I don't know if you can do that to Pete. I don't know. If Pete, I mean, Pete doesn't seem like he doesn't act his age. But, but I don't know how much energy he's going to have if – can you do a rebuild in Seattle? That's what I think is the big question. And I don't know where their salary cap is or any of that. And what quarterback are you getting? And how much better are you going to be or when are you going to get better? Because Arizona's young. The Rams have mortgaged everything to be all in. San Francisco is, is better than you and maybe a playoff team this year. I think you got to look at where you stand in the division, really in the landscape of the NFC, and go, how good are we? Who are we? What's, what is Seattle's identity? It's Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. Or Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. That's about it. Yeah, McLovin. And the punter. And, yes, and the punter. Yeah. Uh, you know, you could tell Pete there's an opening in South Bend, Indiana, that he could take if he wanted to. Yeah, I don't think that'll happen. Of all the candidates there, I know Urban Meyer's name has been thrown out. Uh, because I do know this for a fact, and when Urban Meyer was leaving Utah, he stopped into South Bend. And he asked if he could have the same kind of recruiting gray area that Lou Holtz had. Lou Holtz had two scholarships where he could get somebody in who didn't have to have the same academic requirements. Lou had two, from what I'm told. Urban was told he could get one. Urban kept going south, went down to Florida, and took the Florida job. And that's coming from a 
great source. A great source. Yes, he. Now, I'm not suggesting that LSU isn't a you know institution of higher learning, but how attractive do you think that is to Brian Kelly, knowing that, well, maybe the academic standards are a little looser uh, for the football team? I'm going to say he'll probably be able to embrace that, that it's you know <laughs> not as academically challenging to get rigorous, somebody, rigorous to get recruits in there, I'm going to guess. Dan, they like to say they're a more accepting and invitational university. I like that. Not elitist. Yes. That's, that's snobby, smart That's people. why I couldn't get into Notre Dame. LS well, is about you. Yeah. <laughs> if you ever wanted to make your home feel safer, there's no better time now. Simply safe, giving my listeners 50% off their award-winning home security. You can learn more, get 50% off your new system. Visit simplysafedan.com. But imagine, I was told uh, one of the assistant coaches was recruiting for Notre Dame last night. He went in to a recruit's home. Comes out. Finds out Brian Kelly has taken the LSU job. So he said, you know, I felt like a jerk. I'm telling this kid's family and this kid, hey, come to Notre Dame. Our coach isn't going anywhere. We got stability. His last name's Kelly. He ain't going anywhere. Here's Brian Kelly eight days ago talking about the possibility of leaving Notre Dame. Other than retiring from your current profession, could you see yourself leaving Notre Dame of your own volition? No. No. I mean, look... I think Mike Tomlin had the best line, right? You know, um, unless uh, unless that uh, that fairy godmother comes by with that, you know, two hundred fifty million dollar check, I'd my wife would want to take a look at it first. <laughs> I'd have to run it by her. Nervous laughter. He did give you a price tag. <laughs> now they didn't come close to that, but ten years over one hundred million dollars. Lincoln Riley, I love what Lincoln Riley got. Yikes. Because USC, LSU thought they had Lincoln Riley. They were going to give him $12 million a year. They thought they had him, and then all of a sudden, USC swoops in and give you a nice salary, give you a couple of houses. They buy your houses in Oklahoma. You got a jet on call 24 hours a day. Man. That's a real world that people live in. Yeah, I know. Here, we're gonna we're gonna give you 110 million dollars. We're also gonna pay a million dollars more to buy both of your houses, and we're gonna buy you a six million dollar house. And you could use you and your family can use one of our jets whenever you want. That's a real world that people live in. Oh, amateur amateur status. You gotta love it. The amateur sports world. Yeah, Paul. You know who's enjoying all this? There's a guy out there right now just sitting there watching it all play out, waiting till it all settles in about three or four days, and that's Nick Saban's agent. Because Nick Saban is going to get a pay raise off this. Because if he's not the number one highest paid at the end of this week, he will be in two weeks. Nick Saban is the best bargain in sports. He is. He makes money. Yeah, McLovin. Yeah, but what the heck is Nick Saban going to spend any more money on? All he does is watch tape and okay, listen no, to classic rock. What is Brian Kelly going to spend all this money on? He's 60. Like, is this going to change your life? I mean, I, that's what I, I'm just curious why. Notre Dame, you're standalone. 
unless he just thought, hey, we can't get, you know, I'm not going to be able to beat these other schools. LSU, I got a chance to beat these other schools. I don't know how important that is to him. But, you know, it just looks like, hey, the money, I couldn't pass up the money. And the coaching staff at Notre Dame, from what I'm told, was shocked. The word that was used last night, shocked. They had a meeting this morning. Coach made, former coach, made all of his players get up and go to a 7 a.m. meeting. It didn't last 15 minutes. The coaches didn't even know. The players got a text. Welcome to big business known as college football. Take a break. Back after this. It's amazing. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically. No limit on how much you can earn. That's amazing. Even more amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of the places in the United States that take credit cards take my Discover credit card. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing the word yes more often. Learn more. Discover.com slash yes. And I say it again because Fritzy is a little slow. Discover.com slash yes. Slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. We'll come up with a poll question. Got a play of the day, stat of the day, all of that forthcoming. Over the last 30 years, there have been 12 instances of a coach winning at least 11 games in his final season at a Power 5 school. Of those 12, five left for the NFL. Five either retired or resigned due to NCAA violations or scandals. Two took jobs at a different college football program. Those two college football program instances are Brian Kelly leaving Cincinnati for Notre Dame and Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame for LSU. Stat of the day, stat of the day, stat of the day, stat of the day. Here comes that what? Stat of the day. David Carr, NFL Network analyst, former NFL quarterback, and uh, he joins us now. The uh, Thursday night game, by the way, Cowboys without their head coach Mike McCarthy against the Saints on Fox, NFL Network, and Amazon Prime Video. And David, kind enough to join us. Um, how important is that head coach when you make your decision to go play? Oh, it's extremely important. I mean, you've seen when Lincoln left Oklahoma, how many top five recruits and just five stars said, yep, I'm going with him, or I'm going to go somewhere else. It's it's vitally important. Coach, I'm a huge believer in coaching. I mean, it doesn't matter what level you're at. It could be high school football. Um, you can give your kids an extreme advantage just by the X's and O's that you draw up. So, you know, and it goes beyond that as well. It goes to the, the type of person that the guy is. Um, I mean, there's so many different levels to it, but to think that, you know, all these guys can just roll out there and it's just a matter of will and it's a matter of just being tougher than the other guy, that's crazy. You can do so much just with X's and O's and scheme. You can create offense for your quarterback. You can make it easy for your offensive line. You can make it also extremely difficult. So, yeah, I mean, coaching is coaching is everything. 
Did USC recruit you? No, and I'm really upset about it. You know what? I am going to go. I'm going to spring ball because Lincoln. He's not going to be able to keep me off that field. I got. I have to. I have to see this thing in person. This is. Uh, I told William McGinnis yesterday. We were doing our show. I said, "Look, man. I don't. I'm just tagging along. So you're just going to have to deal with it because I steal Lincoln's plays all the time, running for my high school football team. So you're definitely bringing me with you. But you know, um, SC didn't. Washington did. Uh, but then, ironically, we just lost our coach at Fresno State to Washington. Yeah. So, you know, and happens everywhere. Okay, what do you see? You say you steal plays when you coach uh, with Lincoln Riley. What What is separating him from a lot of these other coaches? I was talking to uh, Derek about this last night because we, we both almost just left football and talking about football to go coach based on just some of the numbers that we're hearing from this guy. But honestly, when you watch his scheme, it's not that difficult. Um but it's brilliant because he has subtle changes. And Tony Dungy was like this. Tony Dungy, when he was the, the coach for the Colts, they on the surface it looked like they were only playing cover two or cover three every snap. But in reality, there were subtle changes that they would make to the front, to the linebackers' responsibilities, to the corners' responsibilities. So, and it would match what you do and try to effectively take away what you're able to do um, from an offensive standpoint. And Lincoln's the same way. When you watch his offensive schemes, it looks like he only runs five plays. But those five plays have so many different uh, tweaks and combinations. And the brilliance of what he does is he'll show you something and you'll say, oh, I got it. And there'll just be a double move off of it or there'll be, you know, another element to the play. So it's almost like, um, just another example, the Seattle Seahawks, they used to play a ton of cover three, just single high. And everybody's like, oh, we know what they're doing. But no one could complete passes against them. No one could move the football. It's because the Seattle Seahawks knew exactly what they would get versus that coverage. They knew what you were going to try and do. Mm. So, you know, Lincoln's brilliance is he's going to run stuff that looks exactly the same as everything you've seen on film. He's going to hit you with a double move. He's going to hit you with a screen out the backside. He's going to hit you with something that you just didn't expect. You're like, oh, well, that's just a one-off. Well, he does it all the time. So that's, that's the brilliance of what of what he does is on the surface, it's simple. It's easy to understand from an offensive uh, standpoint, from a, uh, a player that wants to roll in. You're a, you're a top, you know, you're a five-star recruit, one play receiver. You can easily go in and play in his system. You know, it's, it's not a, it's not a big learning curve, but, but what, what he does is his subtle changes during the game are, are just brilliant. Best coaching job right now, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, LSU, USC. I mean, I, I don't know how – just think about what SC used to do to those SEC teams. I, mean, I think we forget that sometimes. You know, when they when, when Pete was there, um, they would just go in and just bounce those guys. And I know we talk about the SEC a lot, and that's a fantastic conference, and those guys obviously uh, have some of the best players, and you could make an entire football team. Hunter Renfro, who believes that Clemson could actually win like two or three games every year in the NFL, which, I mean, and he's <laughs> – Absolutely certain about it. So I get that, but I, I I don't know how you can just take the kids in LA, and if you don't let them leave and you keep them at SC, you'll win the national championship every year. You know, so I think that's a great job. I don't know why. I mean, I mean, I'm sure I'm not alone here, but why do you leave Notre Dame for LSU? You know, if you're Brian Kelly, it's crazy to me. I don't understand that. Maybe I grew up in a different era where Notre Dame was the job that you would want to have forever. But I, I feel like he had a pretty good gig up there. So. That's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. Well, LSU, from what I'm told, reached out to Brian Kelly 
prior to the start of this season, and he said no. I think he wanted to be the all-time leader in wins at Notre Dame, which he did this year. And then I, then I think at age 60, then maybe he was open to the prospects of, of going someplace else. I think the NFL was always sort of there, whether he wanted it or NFL teams were interested. But, mm-hmm. but LSU did reach out to start this season, from what I'm told, and Brian, okay. Brian said no. Yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to understand Seattle here. David, because I, I watch yeah. Russ, and Russ is a Hall of Fame quarterback. Pete Carroll's maybe a Hall of Fame head coach. I don't know. But yeah. I, I watch them, and I, I, I don't know who they are or what they are. They were 12-4 and four last year. I don't know who they are this year. And if you're Russell Wilson and you're looking around going, what am I doing? Like, my legacy is at stake here. And we're not going. We're not going forward. We're going backwards. So, what is wrong with the Seahawks? It's a hard watch. So, what they did. Okay. So, you know, Pete Carroll has always wanted to run the football, play good defense. All right. So, I mean, you can start on the defensive side, and you can say that they've gotten away from their personality. Um, not to keep bringing up Willie McGinnis, but he's a defensive genius, in my opinion. Played for one of the best defensive coaches of all time, New England Patriots. And when he watches the Seattle Seahawks, he gets visibly sick because he knows what they used to be. He knows that they used to play a certain way, and they've gotten away from their identity. They don't just play single high cover three with the kind of matching coverages underneath. They just try to do a whole bunch of stuff. They blow coverages. It's not the same. So then you go on the offensive side of the ball, and they've always been a team that runs the ball at least 50% of the time. They've led the league in run percentage pretty much since Russell Wilson and all those guys, but you think about Marshawn Lynch, I mean, they were pounding the football, you know, and Russ was involved in that from the shotgun. And they were kind of at the forefront, honestly, even before teams were really doing a lot of zone runs and involving the quarterback in that, they, they were doing that with Russ. And, and for some reason, they decided that they, they looked around the league and they saw this offensive uh, scheme that's happening, you know, with the Rams and with the 49ers and now with the Packers. And it's like that Sean McVay, and Kyle Shanahan, wide zone, play action pass. And they're like, you know, if we can – and in theory, this makes sense. If we can do that, we're going to run the ball anyway. Let's run the outside zone. Let's pound the rock. Let's play action pass. Let's buy Russ some time back there, That the time that he's all, always kind of created for himself. And we'll buy him some time to make some big shots down the field. And in theory, it sounded good. And I think you can even hear, like, when, when you talk to Russ or you hear him in the interviews now, like, he's excited about what Shane Waldron, the offensive coordinator from the Rams – is, is able to kind of put on paper. The problem is it doesn't translate yeah. because you have a quarterback, and, and the Rams are going through this too uh, with Matt Stafford. You have a quarterback that is one of the better just drop-back pass uh, quarterbacks in the league that is able to see the field and, and kind of delegate and kind of really dictate what he's going to do from the pocket. And when you turn your back to the defense, it's no longer on Russ. It's on your play calling, and it's on the scheme to kind of carry that load. And you saw the Rams kind of get away from it. They're doing more drop-back pass, and you could argue that it's hurting them a little bit. They've lost a little bit of that physical element. The, the Seahawks are no different. They're just not as talented. So they're trying to do this outside zone run stretch. They're not really sold on it. You can even see the offensive line's not even sold on it because they're not really doing it. You know, they're not really pushing the pile. They, they'll, they'll crack a couple runs. Then they'll just scrap it. They'll go right to the drop-back pass game. And the other thing, when you, have a, when you run that offensive system, you tend to have better zone run-blocking guys. You know, even like Terrell Davis used to tell me, 
Dude, if we had to drop back pass, even when Owe was there, based on the offense line that we had, we were going to get beat. We were going to have a hard time. But if we could keep that run going, we could play action off of it, we'd have success. Same thing with the Seahawks. The problem is Shane Waldron is a young offensive coordinator. Russell Wilson is a, is a very vocal, um, experienced quarterback, and rightfully so. He's going to say what he wants to do, and he's always going to default to let me just do my thing from the pocket. The problem is they have an identity crisis. So they don't know who they are on the offensive side. That's why it's hard to watch. That's why it's difficult because they don't even know really what they want to do. And their best plays are still with Russ just kind of making things happen. But the problem is that's not an offensive scheme you can hang your hat on. And they're kind of just trying to figure it out right now. And that's why it looks so bad. David, great to talk to you as always. We appreciate your insights. Thanks for joining us. You got it, buddy. Thanks. That's David Carr. He works for the NFL Network. And Thursday night, it'll be the Cowboys Saints on Fox, NFL Network, and Amazon Prime Video. Yeah, it's tough to watch Seattle. It's always been tough to watch Seattle offensively. Now, when you had Marshawn Lynch, all right, you use that battering ram. But Seattle used to win the games like last night. And now they're not. And is Russ healthy? No, he's not healthy. But I, I don't think they have a healthy attitude when it comes to what their offense is and can be and should be. And, you know, you got Bobby Wagner there. who's a really good defensive player, maybe a future Hall of Famer. Jamal Adams can make an impact, should make an impact. But you just look at the future. You gave up first-round picks for Jamal Adams. Where are you going? And do you want to be along for the ride? Um, I think that's... That's got to be frustrating for Russ and Pete Carroll because you go in and you experience the euphoria of being a great team, both sides of the ball. And now, neither. Yeah, McLovin. That pick that Seattle gave up for Jamal Adams is number four right now in the entire draft. Yeah. Here's uh, Russell Wilson after the loss last night. Yeah, obviously, we need to get DK the football. You know, we, we actually called several plays for him. You know, he, he had actually a sweet, deep cross that he was going to be wide open, maybe for a touchdown. I had to move. That's the one I threw to AC um, down the left sideline. Um, that was unfortunate because that was after the big play to Tyler. And then here comes DK on a big play, hopefully. Yeah, you know, I think he had four targets. He had one catch. Now, uh, here's Pete Carroll after the loss. Really frustrating trip. Uh, forced to come all the way out and uh, hang in the game. You know, we didn't play very well complimentary at all and uh but to have a chance to you know to be right there at the end i'm really proud of the way these guys keep battling and fighting hard and and, and uh doing what we need to do all right some phone calls uh, what's the poll question we're going with mclovin well you asked um david carr what's the best job out of all four oklahoma lsu usc or notre dame there's an early leader well i grew up in a different era and notre dame was magical um, out of all of those openings, USC would make the most sense because I think you you have all of that talent in your backyard and you have a standalone conference or you can be a standalone team in this conference. You know, Oregon is going to be there. Utah is always, you know, pesky. But you could be the class of the Pac-12, therefore maybe go undefeated or lose one game and then you would have, you know, entry into the final four. Going to LSU or your Oklahoma, it's still tough because you're in the SEC. Um, Notre Dame would probably be second to USC. 
then I would look at LSU, and then Oklahoma. Oklahoma in, a, in the Big 12 is different. Oklahoma in the SEC is just a, another good school, another good team. You can stand out. And I think Lincoln Riley obviously benefited from that. But that would probably be the order that I would rank them. Yeah, McLovin. That's the early results on the poll. USC 1, Notre Dame 2, LSU 3, and only 2% say Oklahoma. Yeah, because Oklahoma's going into the SEC. And who knows if they're swallowed up when they get there. But Lincoln Riley, USC, I mean, I think that was great. I, I think LSU did an incredible job in getting Brian Kelly because a source said yesterday they're backed into a corner. They're in trouble. That's what I was told. And this is the same source that said Lincoln Riley was offered $12 million and they thought they had Lincoln Riley. You lose Lincoln Riley and you get Brian Kelly as a consolation prize, I think you did really well. Now, do I think it's an odd fit for Brian Kelly at LSU? I do. But maybe one day we'll find out the real reason. Because he might say, look, I wanted to be the all-time you know, leader in wins at Notre Dame. I wanted to be past Leahy and Rockney, and it's Brian Kelly. And I've done as best as I can, and I brought them as far as I could. I rescued them from Charlie Weiss. I, I gave you, you know, credibility, restored credibility. And you know what? At age 60, it's my time, my, my opportunity here. All right. You go to LSU. You want to get paid. It's 10 years. Then, okay, fine. You know, I, whatever his, is in his head. I mean, I had people say I was crazy to leave ESPN. Like, what are you doing? Rick Riley famously called it one of the worst moves in the history of sports broadcasting. When Shelley Long, if you're old enough to remember, Cheers, she left Cheers. Rick Riley said I was Shelley Long leaving Cheers. Of course, I don't know what Rick Riley does now, but I think, you know, it was the reason that I left was my reason. And that's where you try to tell somebody and they're like, but you left ESPN, didn't you disappear? Maybe so, but I did what I wanted to do, and that was when I was 50. Ryan's 60. He may have just said, look, I don't know if I can win a championship here, but I don't think we look at 60 the way we used to because you go, man, he's 60. I don't think we think that way anymore. Yes, yeah, Eden. If you're LSU, would you rather have Lincoln Riley at $12 million a year or Brian Kelly at $15 million a year? Uh, well, they tried the first one. I wonder if they gave him $15 million with Lincoln Riley. I, I would rather have Lincoln Riley than I would Brian Kelly. If I'm LSU, I got a 38-year-old coach who is considered, truly considered, one of the bright offensive minds in football. Yeah, I would take Lincoln Kelly. Uh, Lincoln Riley. Brian Kelly, um, you know, he, he brings status, class, uh, you know, you're not dealing with things off the field. It'd be a welcome addition. I mean, if you say that that's our consolation prize, damn, you did well. Take a break. Play of the day. Your phone calls coming up. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. 
He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Byer. We have a brand new fantasy football podcast called I Want Your Flex. Twice a week, every Tuesday and Friday, we come up with new episodes to not only look back at what happened, what you need to do at that minute, and also look ahead of what's coming up in the fantasy football world. That's right, Dan. Every week, we're going to scour the waiver wire to find the pickups to turbo boost your fantasy lineup, sits, starts, fantasy football players' rankings to get you ready to dominate the competition. Listen to I Want Your Flex with Mike Harmon and me, Dan Beyer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh my God. The play. The play is called play. Of the day. Left side, got it. Play it and play it. This is the play of the day. Check this out. Takes the snap. Plenty of time. Surveying. Looks over the middle. That is thrown into the end zone and is picked off. Kendall Fuller picked it off and Washington maintains their lead. Now they just need to survive a kickoff. That was the Seahawks' first two-point conversion attempt of the season. Their last successful two-point conversion came in week three of last season against Dallas. That's courtesy of WTEM, the team, 980. Play of the day. Play of the day brought to you by the great folks at Mercedes-Benz. The uh, intelligence runs in the family. The innovation runs in the family. The extraordinary runs in the family. The 2021 Mercedes-Benz range of SUVs. Every member is waiting to impress. Learn more. MBUSA.com. Mercedes-Benz. The best or nothing. I just saw a tweet. One of our listeners. $100 for the reporter to ask Mike Tomlin about the Notre Dame job (laughs) opening. (laughs) No, thanks. (laughs) I'm going to up it. DP show gear for the reporter who asked Mike Tomlin if he's interested in the Notre Dame opening. <laughs> you know, one of the people I thought about was Urban Meyer. If Urban Meyer was in Bob Stoops' place on the uh, Fox College football show, and all of a sudden all this is happening. Now, I was told that there, he was not getting the USC job. And this is, you know, this has gone back for you know, a few months. He was not going to get the job. But if you said to Urban Meyer right now, you're sitting on the desk there doing your high noon college football show, and you got Notre Dame open, Oklahoma open, and you had LSU open, whew, he'd be the leading candidate for all the above. You imagine, and Urban's 59. His dream job has always been Notre Dame. And if you would say to him, hey, if we went back in time and you didn't take the Jacksonville job, would you take that Notre Dame job? And I'm going to guess that answer is yes. Yeah, Paul. In the past three months, did he undo himself as a coach or off the field more? Because that, that's the question. Because uh, three months ago, he would have been a hot property for any of those jobs. Yeah. Did he undo himself on the field or off the field more so in the past three months, Urban Meyer? Well, he took the Jacksonville job. So right. he's taken himself out of the running for the other. If he was still with Fox and something happened off the field or in that bar in Columbus. Pro coaches have left for college before, midseason. Like if, he, if, it was, if it was available, if he were. Well, Bobby Petrino did. Yeah. But I, I don't know if, well, who knows? You know, if you would have said, hey, Brian Kelly's going to leave Notre Dame, I would have went for the NFL. No, no, he's going to LSU. No, 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 he's not leaving. 
Like Lincoln Riley, I would go, yeah, I, I understand that. Would Urban Meyer leave Jacksonville to take the Notre Dame job? <laughs> I, I, I can't say no because who knows the amount of money or you're escaping something. Uh, do I think that Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma because he didn't want to go to the SEC and that he could go to USC and, you know, still maintain sort of that Oklahoma identity as a standalone team in that conference, if that makes sense. Yes, he is Urban Meyer still that attractive of a hire. Uh, I don't know that he is, especially for a place like Notre Dame. After the last like three months Urban Meyer's had, Notre Dame doesn't want any piece of that. I wouldn't think, but then you can't say no anymore. But once again, if somebody wants to ask Mike Tomlin at his press conference today, hey, Coach, uh, you've been contacted by Notre Dame. You interested in Notre Dame? DP show swag for you. Yes, McLovin. Maybe you could text Ben. He seemed to be in on that joke. Say, sneak in the back. I mean, unfortunately, they're on a bit of a bad run, but he loves that joke. Remember how hard he laughed on the show with us? Oh, yeah. Uh, Sean in Kansas joins us. Good morning, Sean. What's on your mind? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call again. I, uh, I, I almost called on Wednesday and bet with you, Dan, about the Dayton Flyers KU basketball game, and I am very glad I did not do that. <laughs> because your Dayton Flyers pulled off an upset. And to be honest, surprised that wasn't part of your play of the day yesterday with that buzzer beater because I thought I was listening to it on the radio and it was loud. But, hey, I got a stat of the day I wanted to see if you guys could guess. By the way, Sean, it wasn't that big of an upset for me. So that's why we didn't make a big deal. I mean, it probably hurt you as a KU fan, but as a Dayton fan, I'm like, oh, okay, Dayton beat Kansas. Oh, they're making a big deal out of this. And Dayton beating, you know, Bill Self, I love that even more. All right, so uh, what do you have? So the Suns, if they win tonight, they won 17 straight. They'll tie the 2006 Mavericks for the longest win streak for a team that just lost in the finals for the second longest. Do you know the first team, or the team with the most, I mean, sorry. That they had the longest winning streak after losing in the NBA Finals? Yes. The previous year? Yes, the previous year. The Miami Heat? No. Anyone else want to take a guess? No. Just tell us. It's the sorry. It's the 2013 Spurs with 19 wins. Okay, thank you, Sean. That's a big buildup. I hate when somebody goes, <laughs> "Anybody else?" And then you're going, uh, I, "The box." No, anybody else? Uh, just tell us. The Sacramento. No. <laughs> just let's go, Sean. Yes, <laughs> Spurs boring on the court. Boring wow. is a trivia answer. Wow, <laughs> wow. Yes, Seaton. I drive my family nuts with that kind of thing. I'll be like, "Hey, guess what happened?" And they're like, "I don't know what." I'm like, "No, guess. I want you to guess. <laughs> I want you guys to guess. I love this game." And they're like, "Would you just tell us already?" Damn it, Marcus Spears of the mothership. You know what college he went to? LSU. I'll ask him about the new hire. More phone calls coming up and more stats of the day as well. The San Antonio Spurs. One more item as we close out hour one, simply safe home security. You know, a lot of times you get a piece of paper and then I have that piece of paper right here. And then you read some of the items that are in here. When it comes to simply safe, I don't need my piece of paper. 
I can crunch, you know, throw it away. You know why? Because I know everything about Simply Safe. They have a Black Friday deal going on. 50% off their award-winning home security. And we love Simply Safe home security because they make you safe. And it's simple to install. You're able to order online right to your home. And you can set it up in minutes. And uh, Simply Safe biggest discounts of the year right now. Get a complete home security system starting at just over $100. What are you waiting for? And U.S. News and World Report named Simply Safe best home security system of 2021. Take advantage of Simply Safe's early Black Friday deals and get 50% off your new home security system. All you have to do is visit simplysafedan.com. That's simplysafedan.com for 50% off your entire system and tell them we sent you. 